Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Welcome uh, to the podcast. And I want to first off by start off by uh, saying I've really received a lot of really nice texts and emails from all of you guys. Uh, in particular, there's been some that have been very appreciative of the nature of the content. It's kind of funny. You guys are so used to Julie and I being so drilled down and so you know practical and tactical that you're seemingly surprised that we have a broader repertoire than maybe you gave us credit for. But the truth is, is when you've done something as, for as long as we have, and aside from selling real estate, but also you know we've coached agents for longer than we sold real estate for at this point. You have to basically learn how to help people with their thinking and their mindset stuff. You have to know how to move people past, um, you know, some of the things that cause people to stall out, especially when they're in times of stress. I'm going to tell you guys, a, um, I'm not going to say his name, but this is a coaching call I had this morning and he hadn't been listening to the podcast because he's been in the hospital and I didn't know it. So um, long story short, he has had this amazing year. He's been definitely knowingly burning the candle at both ends. Um, he sells real estate in a particular market and a particular price point where it's, you know, he, he's, it's been incredibly, uh, just without even leaving any hints as to who it is, because longtime podcast listeners don't know who I'm talking about, so I don't want to drop any more hints than what I already have. But he ended up in the hospital for four days with an infection that his body should have been able to fight off. And the guy's healthy. He's a little bit younger than me. So there's no reason that should have happened to him. And so he's, you know, he's not realizing that there has been a physical cost to the fact that he's been burning at both ends and hasn't taken any breaks. And, um, you know, he was joking with me that this is the first time in these four days that he spent in the hospital that he's actually had what, what, what he's now calling his vacation, where, you know, he didn't have to do anything. He got to watch Netflix all day um, and had his meals brought to him. <laughs> so he was making the most of it. And yes, he's fine now. But the point of it being is that he and I had this conversation I'm going to share with you guys. I'm going to get back to the, the next point on the series that we're doing. Um, so there was a, a, a psychologist, and I'm sure he's still around, but I don't have any connection with him anymore. I met him when he was working. Well, he did a lot of speaking and such back in the 90s, and uh, just not just the real estate sector, but a whole bunch of other sectors. His name was Dr. Fred Gross, and he's the one that originally came up with this concept, and some of you guys have stumbled across this too, which I absolutely love because it really does make the point, and this is the story I told um, him this morning on the coaching call. I almost said his name. Did you catch that? <laughs> I stopped myself. So there, I want you to picture a jar and I want you to picture three piles of rocks. Now, Dr. Gross says it's slightly different, but I'm going to give you the condensed version because that's just the what, you know, we're on a podcast. It's 30 minutes. So we're going to do what we got to do to make the point as quick as we can, right? So you have a jar. It's a clear jar. So, you know, a big old school, you know, clear jar that your grandma may have put in, you know, jam or whatever. So it's decent size. And then you have three piles of rocks and you have, and there are three different sizes. And so let's call the smallest pile of rocks, let's just call them pebbles. And then there's medium sized rocks and then there's those big rocks. Each pile of rocks represents in essence where you spend your time, where you spend your best efforts, where you spend your energies, where you spend your thinking, where you put all of your best efforts towards every single day. Now the big rocks are the things that matter most to you. So those big rocks are the things that 
Um, you know, those are the things that you really benchmark your life by. Um, and so I asked him what his big rocks were after explaining the story to him, because here's what we're going to do. We're going to decide in which order to put the rocks in the jar. That's where this goes. And so he told me his big, his big rocks were he wants to spend more time with his kids um, and he wanted to spend more time traveling. So um, everyone needs, and this is an aside, this isn't part of the big rocks uh, story, but I'll just share this with you guys as well. If you're wanting to know really ultimately what drives people, it comes down to three things. It comes down to having something to do that's a that's purposeful, right? You're, you're feeling like you're making a contribution to the world and obviously making money. So you have to have something that gives you a sense of meaning. Number two, you have to have someone to love. And number three, you have to have something to look forward to. Generally speaking, when you have those three things, and obviously health figures in there as well, but generally speaking, when you have those three things, for, for the most part, your life is going to be uh, directed. You're going to know essentially what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and you're not ever, if you uh, stay attached to those three overriding concepts, it's going to be difficult for you to get too far off the off track. So again, it's essentially something that gives you a sense of meaning, a purpose. Number two is uh, somebody to love. And number three is something to look forward to. Now, if you happen to have multi- uh, multiples in each of those categories, well, that's good too. You know, if you have multiple people to love, that's great. If you have multiple things to look forward to, that's great. Um, you know, and the things that give you a sense of purpose in life, well, that's good too. And just make sure you're not overwhelming yourself and then you're back to where we all started again, creating too much stress because you're trying to get too much done, uh, which by the way, is one of the points I'm about to share with you. But back to the big rock story. So I asked him what his big rocks were and he described to those two things. Those are the things that came to his mind the quickest. He wanted to have thing, more things to look forward to. And he, used, he started to tell me about this trip that he's looking forward to. He's going to Mexico, I think it was. I think that's what he told me, uh, over the holidays. And I, that's fantastic. And I'm sure he's going to do it right. I'm sure he's going to you know fly first class. He's going to stay at a beautiful hotel. He's going to spend a lot of time with this really beautiful family. It's going to be something he's really looking forward to. And, it, and when he was telling me about this trip he was looking forward to, the tonality in his voice changed. So for years, our coaching calls were obviously just over the phone. You know, this was back before, you know, Zoom and all the rest of it. So in order to be a good coach, especially if you're just primarily doing it over the phone, you learn to pick up a lot of little hiccups in people's voices that really tell you what they're thinking. Because generally speaking, people are not skilled enough to try to essentially uh, alter the, the pattern in which they're speaking, the rate in which they're speaking, the tonality in which they're speaking, and the just the amount of pausing they do or the thinking they do. So as a coach, to get better at doing what you're supposed to be doing as a you know coach to help somebody you know with their solve their problems, you then have to basically learn to listen to all those tiny little inflections in their voices. So when I was listening to him describe how he's looking forward to his end of the year trip in uh, to Mexico, he was you know I could hear it in his voice. He was sincere. His voice became a little bit calmer. He sounded like you know just somebody who was a little bit less stressed, just an ever so slight degree less so. But that really was telling me as his coach that he was being sincere, that that's something he was really looking forward to. And so I I asked him, so how would it feel for you to have multitudes of things to look forward to for the rest of the year? Or I'm sorry, for all of 2021, not, you know, they don't all have to be, you know, trips around the world, but they could just be little things. They could be occasional little ventures in your own hometown that don't involve work and just little things like that. Because the reality of it is, is that when you're at this as a level of success that he's experiencing, um, you're not going to be able to completely check out. You're not going to be able to delegate everything. You can delegate some things, but you can't delegate everything, which I'll finish up with the big rock story here in a second. So he told me those two big rocks, right? Those are the things that are important to him. And then I said, well, what are the 
So what are, give me some examples of like, you know, medium rocks. And he came up with some other things. And then, then I described, asked him to describe, well, what's left? What are the other things that you're spending time on that you're giving priority to? If those are your pebbles. Those are the smallest rocks that you've got in your pile. And then he started rattling off a few things that he recognized as being small rocks, as things that he thought were his priority in his life and his business. And so then I said to him, all right, so knowing that the in order for to fit all these rocks, well, first of all, you can't fit all the rocks in. Realistically, you can't. Um, and if you want to put the big rocks in first, in other words, the big rocks are the things that are going to give you the most satisfaction or the most meaningful to your life. You have to put those in first. But I said, Rob, in which order have you putting been putting the oh sorry, which order have you been putting the rocks in your jar? And he told me, obviously, he's been putting the small rocks in first. He's been putting and, and not just not completely um, across the board re, uh, bad priorities, but for the most part. He's now realizing after his his uh, forced four day vacation that the the order in which he was prioritizing things in his life need to change, and that instantly. Well, I shouldn't oversell it, but that will definitely make him feel uh, more satisfied and less stress. And so then we started making so so again when you're the jar analogy, you got to put the big rocks in first because if you don't, then there's not going to be any room for them. And what's going to happen is the lesser important things, or maybe even the non consequential things, they will fill the jar the quick. And as a result of that, you won't have any space left to put those big rocks in said jar. Guys, get it? Conceptually, it makes sense, right? So when you're thinking about what matters most to you, the things that you say are matter, that matter most to you, are they really truly where you put your emphasis and your energy and your focus? Um, and if they're not, here's, and for them, it's not, look, guys, I get it. It's hard, especially after this crazy ass year we've had. But the reality of it is, is if you don't uh, feel, if you don't knowingly put those big rocks in the jar first, that in itself causes you stress. That in itself causes you to feel a lot of overwhelm and disconnect because you're you're being incongruent with what matters most to you, and those are obviously the things that. would be representative in our analogy as big rocks. You guys get me conceptually here where I'm going with this? So that's the conversation we had. And then we identified what some of the pebbles were. And then we talked about relatively quickly how to go about making those things so that they could be delegated to somebody else or frankly, just completely stopped being done. Um, And he's going to make a list of his other, uh, the pebbles and whatnot. And then we're going to go back and reprioritize. And this is not the answer to this question, by the way, or the answer to this is not one answer and then it's solved forever. You have to go back and reassess the whole big rock, small rock, pebble thing uh, on a regular basis. Because as your business and any business in life changes, especially again in these cra- this crazy time we're living through, the priorities sometimes will be forced to change. And so you have to adapt. But that, again, when you feel like you're spending too much time on inconsequential, really not that important things, that will eat at your soul almost because you're feeling like, well, I mean, here, there's a practical answer too. I mean, look at this. He was feeling bad by the fact he wasn't spending enough time with his kids, right? And that's a weight he was carrying around forever, which inevitably uh, caused him to feel um, a sense of, um, you know, uh, overwhelming stress. And then physiologically, his body reacted. You guys get it? That, that was the conclusion he and his doctors came to uh, that was that caused him to end up in a hospital for four days um, over an infection that he could have very well solved or resolved just with simple you know, antibiotics from the pharmacy. So these are important things. This conversation is really uh, something that you need to be having uh, in your life on a regular basis 
All these, you know, statements like I just made, they're easy to say, but hard to apply. Well, let me give you, now we're going to drill down. I'm going to give you some practical, tactical ways you can go about making these things so that you don't have to worry about which rocks you're putting in your jar first. All right. So here's the uh, point number. Let me see what point I'm on here. Okay. Well, I just, the next point was pinpoint the primary sources of your overwhelm. What two things uh, if taken off your plate would alleviate 80% of your stress that I feel right now. I think I just described that pretty sufficiently with the whole big rocks thing, right? I think giving you guys that story kind of encompasses that point. So I won't go over that again. Point number five, set boundaries on your time and workload. Now, this is something again, um, it, now, when you're starting, I'm going to edit what I'm about. I was about to read you the next point, but I'm going to, I'm going to do a little preface here. When you are starting anything new, especially a business, especially like your real estate business, you've got no boundaries. Don't be worrying too much about your boundaries when you're starting your your real estate practice. If you're listening and you're just getting started, you've got no boundaries. You say yes to everything. Don't worry about being burned out. Burn yourself out, okay? Because you've got to get into massive action. And there's an old saying that's easier to go fast than it is to go slow And when you're trying to do something new. And that's absolutely true. So if you enter into your business relation, now if you've got outstanding you know, health or you know, other issues and you know that there's only a certain amount of stress you can handle and you know, just edit what, I'm, what you're hearing. But for the most part, many of you don't use fear of burnout, especially when you're starting something new as your excuse not to basically leave it all in the field every single day. You know, we get asked to this day, I'm 50, and when Julie and I are in our early 20s, we sold over 100 houses our first year, 103 houses with our pendings our first year. And people ask how we did it. And to this day, I think it's amazing that I get that question. And I don't mean that in a snotty way. I just think that in a sort of like almost bewilderment because the answer obviously is we did a crap lot of, a crap ton of work for a long period of time right i mean the, the the answer is we truly did what we didn't want to do and we didn't want to do it at the highest level um and you know we had more wins than we had losses but we had plenty of losses i mean had we had the skill set we were new agents we had no skill set but we didn't stop and we did there was no we weren't talking about balance or burnout we were just talking about getting it done we were talking about paying off our student loans back then we talking about making it so we could both go full-time in real estate back then. So we are focused on essentially making it so we could move our own ball down the field um, and we weren't certainly worried about balance. So I caution you against worrying or putting balance when you're trying to start something amazing as a priority. Worry about the balance when you increase the balance in your checking account. Hopefully that resonates with at least some of you. I know it won't for all of you, but at least will some of you. All right, so point number five, back to what I was saying. Set boundaries on your time and workload. Have a real schedule, at least in the morning. I'm not going to try to even pretend that um, (laughs) real estate agents will keep to a schedule the entire day. They will not. One of the reasons I know you guys got into real estate was what? You wanted to not have a boss. You wanted to control your own schedule and you wanted to make a lot of money. Well, the first two things are easily accomplished. And the last thing, it turns out it's not so easy if you don't know what you're doing, right? So in real estate right now, uh, in your business right now, you should at least have a morning schedule. The morning schedule, what Hal Axelrod and a lot of other people have written about it. There's a lot of really great books about how to get the most out of the morning. But again, I'll just drill it down for you and give you the bottom line. Every single one of you, especially as you get older, I, I dare I say, are physiologically wired to get to be essentially more awake, more energetic, more efficient in the morning. You're going to feel better in the morning. You've had a full night's sleep. Hopefully, you've done some exercise. If not, incorporate that into your morning schedule. 
Um, that's the, the, the foundation for your day. And here's the amazing thing when you start following a morning schedule. Your morning schedule, and I'll give you guys some helping hand, a helping hand guide here in a second, but conceptually, I want you to get this. If your morning schedule is made up of accomplishing, well, that's actually my next point. Make your schedule focus on three things that will get you the most bang for the buck. How about that? If all you do the rest of the day, if all you ever got done the rest of the day is those three things in the morning, you'll have a great day. And, you know, I'll talk, let's just keep it practical and tactical. So the three things that you should all have on your schedule, it might be five things, but you have to start the day relatively early, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Now, some of you are going to start a hell of a lot earlier than that. Get this, Julie and I used to start our days every single day at 4.30 a.m. We did this for four or five years. We'd start at 4.30 a.m. and we'd have our first coaching calls at uh, 5 a.m. And every single day, Julie and I would have usually average between 12 and 14 individual coaching calls per day. Uh, we did that, like I said, for four or five years. You want to talk about doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. Absolutely. But here's the thing. It also forced us uh, to become very good at what we chose to be very good at. And because we put in the time, we put in the effort, we put in, you know, we paid our dues. And paying dues in life is something that if you try to avoid, you'll never essentially get anywhere. Unfortunately, that's true. There are no shortcuts. There are, you guys know this intuitively, but yet everyone continues to look for shortcuts. The best shortcut you can ever have, and I'll, I'll encompass this into a Warren Buffett quote. Warren Buffett asked, uh, was asked uh, once, essentially, I'll, here's what he said. He said, Americans love to celebrate the comeback story. He was asked a question about somebody who, you know, some billionaire that uh, built a business and failed his business and then, you know, built it back. And so he said, Americans love to celebrate the comeback story. He said, I like to celebrate the guy who built it never lost it and kept on building it. Guy or gal, obviously, right? So he says he likes to celebrate the person that didn't build it and then lose it and then build it again. So the lesson that you should be taking away from that is you don't have to have long periods or even short periods of feast and famine. You can have consistent level levels of success. I remember, I don't know why I'm feeling so... Uh, <laughs> you're thinking about our first year, but I remember our first year in business and uh, we're, it's like uh, Howard Brenton was interviewing us and you guys who have been in the real estate business for a long time, you might remember Howard. And this was before he made his stars, but I remember he asked us this question. He said, and I didn't know what this helped. I, I wasn't a, uh, I, you know, the question was, um, you know, how are you going to prevent the sophomore slides? And I didn't even know what that meant. Now, I, I someone told me it was a sporting thing, right? So you have a great first year and your second year, you kind of don't do as good. And your third year, you fail out. And I, again, I didn't know what the hell he meant. <laughs> so uh, I don't remember what I said. I'm sure I was cocky and it was when I was in my 20s and all the rest of it. So I'm sure the answer wasn't, you know, ready for print. But the moral of the story was that's the expectation even Howard had for people that were successful quickly is that you're not going to maintain that level of success. And it's fascinating. I wonder if people think that, and that's what leads to so many people not having consistent levels of success. In other, in other words, I wonder if people, and this is, um, I'm trying to ask a question in such a way that you guys will be introspective and ask yourself this question. I wonder if we as humans set ourselves up because we assume that we're not supposed to have consistent levels of success, consistent levels of love, consistent levels of health, consistent levels of financial wealth building, consistent levels of improving your, you know, all the things that matter most to you. I wonder if many of us assume that there's no way to maintain a level of consistency with self-improvement and financial improvement and all the other things that you want to have improve 
versus degrade, right? I wonder if we think, and that's the reason we create the reality of this sort of up and down feast and famine lifestyle that so many people, you know, the whole like, look at just weight, for example. How many people lose it, gain it back, lose it, gain it back? Is it because they don't think that they can or they don't believe that it's normal to maintain a state of ever-increasing levels of improvement? Or is it simply for some other reason that maybe they just like to eat? I mean, maybe a little bit of both, right? So getting back to what's really relevant here with regards to keeping your morning schedule. When you're creating your morning schedule, here are the things that matter most for the sake of earning money. Proactive lead generation. That is something that you have to master. If you, you can ignore what I just said and all the way to the point where you're going to fail out of real estate. Or, and this is unfortunately the new reality for many of you, you might buy your leads, buy your business, but you will end up with virtually no profit because the real profitable businesses, the real, the best way to make the most amount of money has obviously helped the most people accomplish their goals. The way to earn the right to be of service to those people to help them accomplish their goals is to be a proactive lead generator. You have to learn to proactively lead generate. And again, I know longtime listeners, you guys are knowing what I'm about to say because I say it all the time. It shocks me. It saddens me. It, I mean, all sorts of really conflicting emotions. The number of agents that they get their licenses and the first thing they're told to do is buy leads. And I know that they're being told to buy leads because generally speaking, the people that are running the, you know, the brokers and the office managers and the coaches and the gurus, I know why they're saying it. They're saying it because they haven't been in the business long enough. A, B, they were never successful in the business in the first place. Sad, but true. Oh, and there's others that are basically purporting themselves to be coaches and gurus that never actually sold real estate. So they don't know any better either. Um, but the biggest reason that most people won't tell you what Julie and I tell you is because they don't know how to do it themselves because they never learned how to be proactive lead generators. So when you learn how to be proactive lead, gener uh, lead generator, you no longer have to be beholden to buying business. You can actually take your first major step to being financially free. And this is what we strive for with all of our coaching clients. Our goal is for all of, I mean, and hopefully it becomes your goals as well when you become one of our coaching clients, is for you to learn how to proactively actively lead generate to the point where you can set a pre-qualified listing appointment per day and then in the afternoon go and take that listing or take the one you set the previous day. That is our aim when we take you on as a coaching client. And we have hundreds of uh, clients every month that join. And how many of them actually get to that point? Realistically, probably less than 10%. Because again, it gets to my previous point that so many of you guys don't believe you can have ever-increasing levels of success. The way you have ever-increasing levels of success is you put in consistent effort. That effort is put in and here it is again, ready? Doing when you what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. You cannot count on feeling ever like you want to proactively lead generate. If you're lucky, you're going to feel like picking up the phone and doing the real work of real estate, maybe one day of 100. There's most days you're going to have to talk yourself into it. You're going to have to convince yourself to do it. And you know what happens after you've done it for enough times in a row? The essentially the uh, negotiating with yourself to do the work that you don't really want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, it becomes easier and, and then it just becomes systematic. And then it just becomes a part of your day. That's where you have to get. But the only way you can get there is if you consistently put in the effort. Uh, guys, listen, I know what I'm telling you is not the easiest thing to hear. I know what I'm telling you is not as easy of, as hearing, hey, Bob, why don't you, you know, here you go. You want some more leads? Well, go, why don't you go buy some leads from Facebook? Or why don't you, you know, become a Zillow thing or blah, 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 right? 
and then you're going to do it because it requires no skill other than giving someone your credit card number. Okay, so you got to learn how to be a proactively lead ge- proactively generator, and you also, as a sub point to that one, you've got to absolutely positively embrace the idea that, the, frankly, being a listing agent is the only way forward. On previous podcasts, we've talked endlessly about um, all the headwinds that are going to be faced on the buyer side of the business, and I'll just summarize it with this one statement: the entitlement as a buyer uh, as a buyer's agent to receive commission as part of a transaction. I think those days are coming to an end. In other words, as you're, you're a buyer's agent, you're going to have to start convincing the buyer to want to pay or finance your buyer's agent commission, which means that many of you will not make the curve um, as the market starts to shift. This is the direction that the tech companies will take the industry. Now, will it universally affect all corners of the industry? No. Will it universally affect all price points? No. But it will affect. It, the, the consumer's expectation will start to change, which means that the buyer's who are would have previously used a buyer agent are going to go directly to the sellers. And this is the way it works in virtually all the rest of the world in real estate transactions. There are no buyer's agents, or if they are, the buyer is paying the buyer's agent's commissions. And if you want to buy a house, you go directly to the listing agent. Where Julie and I live in Puerto Rico, that's actually how it works. There are people that say that they're buyer's agents, but the fact is, is if you want to buy a house where we live, you either go to the listing agents or you get lost because the listing agents are not going to be dealing directly with the buyer's agents. This is the buy, the, the two commissions or the traditional 6%, 3 and 3. Those That is a, a, a sort of a it's an element, it's a hangover, it's a carryover from the past era, and you've got to accept the fact that if you want to be relevant in real estate, you're going to have to learn how to be a listing agent. If you want to be a profitable listing agent, you're going to have to embrace the fact that you have to be a proactive lead generator. If you want to be a proactive lead generator, that means you're going to have to learn to be disciplined with at least your morning schedule. Okay, So it goes in this order. Proactive lead generation. Then you're going to have to learn how to do your own pre-qualifying. Pre-qualifying is an art and a science, but at the end of the day, you're just reading a script. So pre-qualifying, okay, that is incredibly important. Now, again, I see a lot of agents who are bragging about the fact that they delegate their pre-qualifying. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Pre-qualifying is one of the last things you ever uh, delegate, and frankly, even our best coaching clients, I definitely tell them to never delegate their pre-qualifying. You pre-qualify every single one of your leads, even if they you know, appear as a buyer. In our, our script, in our pre-qualifying script, one of the things we teach you to say is when you get a call from someone who's you know, presenting as a buyer, you assume that they're a seller because most of them are, especially depending on what the price point is of the house they're calling about. But what do most agents do? They just proceed as if it were a buyer. They don't actually try to close for motivation. They have no idea if the person has a house to sell. They have no idea of time frame. They just say they're going to put them in their drip system and the agents wonder why they go broke. Well, I have news for you. Dripping on somebody is rude. (laughs) That's a joke. It's a gross joke, but it's true. So think in terms of when you get it, the real work of real estate is being a proactive lead generator and then learning how to pre-qualify. Once you pre-qualify, then you're going to learn how to, obviously, you you proactively generate the lead. You've got a a great seller lead on the phone. You're going to find out their motivation, their time frame. You're then going to set an appointment, which is the next thing. So you've got pre- proactively generation, pre-qualifying. Then you have to essentially know how to present. Then you have to negotiate, and then you have to close. Those are the five points. But in the morning, the only thing I want you to know how to do, 
Well, the only thing I want you to master, and this is in the business aspect of your life, and we're going to talk a little bit about it in the personal aspect, but in the business aspect, the thing that I want you to embrace are the, uh, essentially the proactive lead generation and the pre-qualifying. Just do those things. Now, we can also sprinkle in lead follow-up as being part of your morning schedule. That's what we tell you to do in the coaching program. That's what we tell you also to do in Harris Rules. But the and I got no problem with that, but I don't think, um, and Julie and I, these are several of the things that Julie and I are mostly in agreement about, but not completely in agreement about. Because what I've seen over the years is if you tell agents that they can use their morning, you know, the sort of the, uh, the sacred time of proactive lead generation in the morning, that they can use that time for uh, lead follow-up, uh, then what happens is those agents will then not do any new lead generation and they'll just do lead follow-up and they'll consider that time well spent. No, that is not the way it's supposed to work. Every single day you have to generate new business. Following up on business is not the same as generating new business. And once you learn how to pre-qualify, you won't have a lot of follow-up because you'll have rooted out whether they are an A lead, a B lead, or a C lead and you'll know what their motivation is and you'll hopefully will have set an appointment. Those are the things that you have to be doing in the morning. Now you do just that. If you set an appointment, a listing appointment a day from a lead that you didn't have to buy, you proactively generated it. We show you how to do it in our coaching program. And then that lead, then uh, you, know, you set an appointment with that lead and you did the same thing yesterday and you're going to do the same thing tomorrow. Can you see how the compounding effect of that, what that's going to have on your life? Oh, I'll get too busy. Let's worry about that problem when we get to it. Okay. Let's worry about whether you're going to be able to handle it when we actually have a problem that we have to figure out how to handle. Because I got news for you. You have way more capacity than you think you do. And you can handle a hell of a lot more than what you think you can. But let's cross that bridge when we get to it and stop thinking about it. Remember we talked yesterday, the thing that makes you feel overwhelmed is not being present. And the sense of essentially worrying too much about the future, worrying too much about the past, that is going to cause you, your brain to have uh, essentially disorderly thinking. And the disorderly thinking causes you to have stress, causes you to have a you know, sense of uh, you know, foreboding. And that never goes away unless you learn how to reprioritize your time. So with regards to the morning schedule, the other things that we definitely suggest you do is you start every morning with exercise. You start every morning with some form of exercise. If you are completely out of shape um, and you are, you know, exercise and you just are not buddies, I'll give you a little technique. Um, start with a 15-minute walk every day. Now, you know and I know that you're going to try to sleep in, especially if you're trying to set new, um, set new expectations for yourself physically. Um, so set your clock for a little bit early. If you normally get up at, say, 7, set it for 6.45. And then, you know, if you want to lay around in bed for 10 minutes and thinking and trying to talk yourself into or out of exercising, go for it. But when that secondary alarm goes off, get your butt out of bed, leave your workout tennis shoes and your workout clothes right by your bed. And then if at the very least you should do is go on at least a 15 or 20 minute walk and then start working yourself up to, to working out more. Now, Julie and I are also huge proponents, if you have one locally, uh, of using Orange Theory. Orange Theory is a fantastic Jim, uh, it's a great place to meet real estate clients, a great place to meet uh, all kinds of different, you know, people that will enhance your life. Um, but you know, again, work up to it. But Orange Theory is a great thing to do if you're lucky if you have one uh, near you. Julie and I don't in uh, Puerto Rico where we live. You also want to seriously consider uh, having low-carb lifestyle. I've had, we've talked about this in the podcast so many times. And, you know, it's funny, I, I have all these stories, that, all these emails, I just literally saw emails flash in my head as I started to talk to you guys about people in it who have just heard this. Okay, so here's what I'm about to tell you. Here's the big reveal, right? If you cut your carbs every day to 50 grams or less, 
Just your carbs. Cut your carbs to 50 grams or less. Your body will lose weight despite you. Because when you give your body sugars, the body then will essentially use the sugars that you're putting into your body as your energy and all the excessive sugars that your body didn't use for energy, that creates fat. So when you start basically cutting back the external input of sugar through carbs, you force your body through a process called ketosis uh, to burn its own fat storage. That is one of the quickest and easiest ways to get your body or get, get back on the path of getting your body in shape. You could lose weight just by doing what I just said without working out. Now, I don't want you to, obviously, because I want you to have a good, strong, healthy heart and your mus- muscu- muscularity and all the rest of it, not to mention the fact that there's a lot of benefit to your psychology when you're actually out there physically doing something, right? But at the very least, consider going low carbs. There, and go to the original book about this. You know, I know there's all kinds of <laughs> keto and all this other stuff, and it's all great. But the Adkins for Life, read that book, listen to that book. It really does. It's the original. It's the classic. It's the book that all the other studies that came out afterwards were based on. And do seriously consider going low carb. And I, I challenge all of you guys to at least have an open mind to that. Now, the next thing you got to really be careful. You got to give yourself a uh, 12-hour window when you're not e- where you haven't eaten anything. Okay, you're going to put your body into a natural fast, and and that's not that hard to do. So if you go to bed, at, you know, do the math. You guys can figure it out, right? Go to bed at eight o'clock, get up at eight o'clock, that kind of thing. You're going to be good. But do consider making it so you stop eating late. If you eat late and you get up early, your body is actually going to. Uh, it, you're going to be fatter. That's just the bottom line. And not just external fat that you can see, but also organ fat as well. So do consider uh, fasting every single day for 12 hours. Stop every day at 7, knowing that you're going to get up the next day at 7, that kind of thing. Only have water. Okay, there's another little health tip that all of you can easily do. You can read all the books. You can go to all the seminars. You can read all the you know YouTube videos and go to all the whatever. But I just summarized two great ways for all of you to lose weight. Now, the next thing, and this is something that I know is, I'll tell you guys a funny story. So Jillian and I have done a absolute boat crap ton of Zooms over the past, you know, this year because of COVID, right? We've been doing Zooms. It's actually just now started to back off. We were doing Zooms for offices, for teams. We were doing Zooms when we were talking to people who wanted to join our EXP group. By the way, if you want to talk to Jillian now about joining our EXP team, uh, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. Text me directly if you want to join EXP and have Julie and I as your sponsors, 512-758-0206. But we are on two separate um, Zooms. And this, so this, what I'm telling you, the stories actually happened twice. And I think it's funny. Uh, some of you might think it's sad, but I think it's funny. So we're on these Zooms and you know there's a, uh, a button you can uh, hit where you see everyone who's on the Zoom who has the camera on their face. So in this one particular Zoom, there were maybe 50 or 75 people on it. I mean, everyone's face was like the size of a postage stamp, right? But <laughs> so Julie and I actually were doing this Zoom together and I don't know what we were presenting, but then she was talking and I was looking at the different faces because obviously then you could tell if people are paying attention or not. And I came across this guy who right in front of his camera had a glass. It was a notebook, right? So you could see at the desk level, he had a glass. And this was what, 11 a.m. maybe of Chardonnay. It may have been rosé, but it was wine for sure. And I just thought that was hilarious. I mean, it's sad. I get it. But it was also hilarious. So he was listening to Julie and I at this real estate meeting on a Zoom while he was having his morning glass of booze. And so I actually sort of stopped the podcast. And, you know, I don't remember his name. We'll call him Bob. 
I'll say, hey, Bob, is that rosé or chardonnay? Or I said something like that. Because everyone else could see that he was drinking while he was, you know, supposedly at work. And uh, so, you know, what the hell, right? And so what Bob did is Bob actually took the glass, put it in his hand, and clinked it against the camera as if we were, you know, having a nice glass of wine together. <laughs> I thought that was actually hilarious. Now, we had that same exact situation happen more than once. Um, you know, but anyway, it's just funny. I was glad that Bob got the fact that I was just trying to have some fun with him. His name wasn't Bob, by the way, but you get the point. So my point about talking to you about this was that a lot of people have developed a habit of drinking too much wine or alcohol or having other things that have essentially been helping them emotionally get through this, this really crazy year we've had, right? It's an unusually stressful year. It's been an unusually a challenging year. It's been an unusually rewarding year. And 2021 is going to be just like it and probably further, you know, we're, we're in a state in the economy and society where there's a, a generational shift that's going on. It's going from the baby boomers and Gen Xers to the, the younger folks. But at the same time, there's also an economic shift that's happening. So I think historians, you know, 50 years from now, will look back to realize this was the era of the great shift where, you know, essentially many different forces, you know, a seismic shift, if you will, were happening simultaneously. And I think, in my opinion, and Julie Nye's opinion, and frankly, everyone I talk to, this era that we're entering into is going to be one of the greatest times to be in the real estate industry ever. And again, we've talked about this a lot in previous podcasts. So if any, if there's anything that makes you think that we're not optimistic, you're, you're, you're absolutely wrong. We are incredibly optimistic about what the future holds. But if you have developed an alcohol issue, shall we say, or some other, uh, you know, something that's going to uh, diminish your a mental acuity or your motivation, you need to own that. So if you've picked up an excessive drinking issue or eating issue or whatever issue as a result of basically dealing with your stress, you might want to think about this being a great time to stop that or cut back with that. Um, so maybe the first thing to do if you're a wine drinker, as Julie and I are, is you just cut it back to one glass um, a day. That's it. And remember to keep towards your uh, your upper limits as I mean, as far as your, uh, you know, keep yourself in a fast mode. So don't have it too late in the day, but have one glass. Now, so what happens is uh, alcohol, like, for, you know, virtually everything else, it makes it so that you don't get the same um, feeling uh, unless you have more and more and more. So a lot of you have built up really high tolerances and you're going to realize that as you start try to start coming off that. But there was something really cool. I know Joe Rogan and a whole bunch of other people do this too called Sober October where you just completely don't do anything that has anything to do with you know drugs or alcohol or just and even the socially acceptable forms of drug and alcohol. I'm talking about marijuana, all that stuff. Just completely purge yourself. And it's a natural, your body then essentially cleanses itself of all that stuff that was floating around and causing you to not think clearly. Now, see, and the reason I'm telling you about this and the reason it does relate to the topic that we're working on this week about feeling overwhelmed and excessive stress is because if you know you're not thinking correctly and clearly, and you know you're not able to feel motivated, if you're not, if you're just essentially in this uh, emotional malaise, basically, it probably is due to excessive. Uh, carbs and excessive um, consumption of things that are like alcohol. And those two things in combination very well could be causing you and just those things alone by purging your life of just those two things alone, you might start to feel amazing. So when you're putting your morning schedule together, by the way, um, you guys can get a copy of our real estate treasure map, which does include our suggested 
uh, morning schedule. It's actually a full day schedule, but the morning schedule, I'm realistic, is the only one I know you guys will stick to. And if you want that schedule, and if you want to join the free coaching program, which, by the way, ends on uh, January, or no, I'm sorry, December 1st, the free coaching program ends. We started at the advent of COVID. I know COVID is still going on, but um, we're just not going to do the free coaching program anymore after the end of this month. So if you want to join it, Text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. And when you do, we'll text you back a link, and that link will include the real estate. It, it actually gets you into the free coaching program. And then when you log in, then you can download the real estate treasure map. The real estate treasure map gives you uh, what we have prescribed to agents for a billion years as far as being there, uh, having the ideal schedule. But again, in your morning, you wake up. Um, the only thing I didn't mention that is also important. And this is something I'll suggest you do while you're working out, you're exercising, is show overt gratitude. And you can show overt gratitude just in your thoughts, but the best way to do it, and I know this might, you know, you're kind of doing two things at once, but this definitely does work, is like when you're walking around or you're exercising or you're doing something like that, set, do an audio recording where you're saying thanks, where you're showing gratitude towards somebody and just send it while you're working out. You don't always have to text you know, you don't have to type when you're texting. Like if on the new iPhones, you can uh, the uh, audio recording feature works amazing. So show gratitude every single day. It could just be gratitude for anything. It does not have to be some long soliloquy. It could be something very simple. I appreciate you having. I appreciate having you in my life. I appreciate whatever. And if you're you know immediate family, your kids and your spouses and your whoever else. Um, assuming you have a you know family like that, if not your dog and your cat and your bird, show avert gratitude towards them. Just the state of showing avert gratitude will have an immediately a positive impact on your psychology and how you feel. And I don't know why it works that way, but it does. It elevates your mind out of that worry ego st uh, state. Uh, another little tip, and these are kind of hacks, but again, these definitely work, is do consider going completely media-free Oh my gosh, it's so important you guys take that seriously. And by media free, I mean, how many of you every single morning, I want you to think about this. You know, I caught Julie doing this the other day, which was kind of funny. Now she said I was just on Facebook putting, you know, pictures of Zoe up, which, you know, was okay, I suppose, but still. So here's the thing. Don't do not do anything with any sort of media other than like podcasts, things that you know will uplift you. Like Julie was feeling that up, you know, loading pictures for her family of Zoe, that uplifts her. So that's kind of a gray area, right? But for the most part, absolutely positively have a media-free morning. Because the second you check your news feed, the second you check your fill-in-the-blank news source, your mind is all of a sudden going to be taken over by whatever it is that you're reading. Fear. It's not good things, right? It's not going to be anything good. You're not going to read something for the most part and feel motivated. You're going to be fearful. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be mad. The news is designed to give you bad news because it knows that you have a unending desire for bad news because that's how all of us are wired. I talked about that a day or two ago on this podcast. It's normal to have negative thoughts. They've, they're essentially uh, innate in all of us and necessary for our long-term survival, right? That is part of how all of us think. I'm sorry, how all of us are, are hardwired, having negative thoughts. But then what happens is, is that without consciously knowing it, you're actually doing, what is it called, doom scrolling, looking for more negative thoughts. And then you're going to start attracting people that reinforce that way of thinking. And then basically you've lost a day. So if you lose your morning, if you don't have control of your morning schedule, and your morning schedule is full of chaos and 
you know, not exercising and eating a big carby breakfast and then filling it with a bunch of CNN or Fox or whatever your, you know, your, your self-prescribed drug is, your drug of doom is, right? And then, you know, you have an argument and then you, you guys get it. Your day is screwed. Just forget about it. Go back to bed. <laughs> I mean, you're done. You're, how's anything possible going to come from that day when you start your day out like that? So you've got to control your morning. You've got to take it back from whatever you've given it over to. Take it back. Be greedy. You know, be selfish, be demanding on yourself, but stop allowing other things to control your day. And everything in your life wants you, I mean, this is a, we did a podcast and we wrote about this before, and I'm not going to, you know, grind on this point too long, but it is true. Nobody on the face of the planet Earth wants you to be rich. Everybody wants you to be dependent. And that's a really a profound thought, I think, for, it was for me, frankly, but it's true. Everybody and everything wants you to be dependent because if you are independent, that causes anxiety in the system. The system, and I'm not making it, it's trying to sound like I'm, you know, this is matrixy here, but kind is, right? But the system is dependent on uh, dependency. And if all of a sudden people become independent um, and they're no longer dependent, then they start having uh, control of their own thinking. For example, uh, there is a lot of uh, people that will argue that what uh, humans are motivated by is not wanting to feel freedom or not wanting to feel independent for that matter. Many argue, and I think these are people that are politically motivated, that what really motivates people are is being taken care of. In other words, the strongest desire is not to f- have a sense of freedom, not to have a sense of you know independence, but to be dependent. That's what a lot of these sort of, I think, frankly, uh, politically minded psychologists are saying to rationalize an omnipresent um, form of government. And again, not being political, I'm just uh, being observant and showing you and sharing with you with with what I'm seeing. But here's the thing that happens. And I think this is ultimately the reason that, um, you know, these politics are going on like they are, is if you no longer have to be dependent on, you know, if you're financially independent, for example, if you're not dependent on, um, when you're financially independent and you don't have to worry about the fact that, you know, you know, where's my money going to come from to buy food? Where's my money going to come from to make my car payment? As soon as you basically elevate yourself beyond that, in other words, you're rich where your money works for you, you no longer have to work for your money. As soon as you transcend the having to be in the hamster wheel every day, then all of a sudden you're not so easily manipulated because the way you are manipulated now is fear of losing what you already have. So if all of a sudden there's some sort of external thing that's going to cause you to lose your livelihood, whoever it is that says they're going to stop that you know, zombie horde from taking away your farm, that's who you're going to basically uh, allow to empower to t- try to take care of you. But as soon as you transcend beyond financial dependence, on, um, you know, really uh, financial dependence, then once you don't have that as an issue anymore, then now you can move on to being independent, an independent thinker. You can then decide, like, would you vote for the same people you vote for now, just making it somewhat political, if you were financially independent? Would you? I want you to think about how interesting that is of a question, right? Would you vote for the same people you vote for now? If you had enough money coming in passively every single month, that you no longer had to worry about money, you're, you know, because basically your money was working for you, you no longer had to work for your money. What would you do? Would you have the same friends? Maybe. I mean, hopefully some of them at least, right, would make the cut. Would you live in the same area? Would you think the same thoughts? Would you wear the same clothes? I'm not talking about, you know, being some big flashy dresser. And I'm just asking you, how much of your life right now is because you're in a state of dependence? Because you're being forced through social reasons and other reasons 
into conformity, conformity of your thoughts, conformity of your emotions. Would you vacation, you know, assuming you go on vacation, would you vacation in the same places that you do now if you are financially independent? It's, it's fascinating, I think, because really what happens, and I've seen this happen with coaching clients, it happened to Julie and I, once you get to the point where you no longer have to be, where you are financially independent in essence, then what happens is you actually become you, you're, you allow in different thoughts that are maybe competing with the way you thought before. And then you have the little epiphany that the way you thought before, you, why did you think that way in the first place? Why do I believe the way I believe? Why do I you know, think the way I think with regards to this issue or that issue? And then it starts to be, uh, the answers you get back are kind of fascinating. It's because you believed the way you believed because maybe you were part of a larger group that believed that way, and that larger group would have somehow rejected you. You wouldn't have been part of the tribe if you didn't share those beliefs. But all the end to all of this is essentially the uh, awakening within you of realizing that ultimately what you want is going to come on the other side of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. For the most part, most of you can completely change the trajectory of your life in a truly meaningful way in less than 18 months. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you it's going to happen fast. I, it's going to, it's a lot of damn work. And by that, I mean, how long is it going to take for you to become really efficient in your real estate business? Or how long will it take, you know, you to become really efficient with working out? Or if you're an EXP with your revenue share group, or you're, you know, investing, how it'll take 18 months, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less, but you get the point. It does not happen overnight. It's going to take consistent work. And it all starts with that morning schedule. It all starts with basically how you start your day. And if you guys, again, you want to get our free real estate treasure map, just uh, text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link and you can join the free coaching program. Holy crap, I just looked at the clock. This has been almost an hour. <laughs> I guess I like talking about this stuff. I do. I really do. Because I know it, and it's very impactful um, if you're receptive to it, if you're listening to it. Hopefully I'm saying it in such a way that you guys aren't over-filtering. Um, hopefully you're not, you know, maybe over-analyzing my motivations or you're not letting your brain bounce all over the place, you know, trying to, you know, psychoanalyze what you're thinking and feeling. Just listen to the words because Julie and I will always keep things as practical and simple as possible because generally speaking, what you'll discover, I'll end with this and just to kind of make my point, hopefully. As languages evolve, do they get simpler or more complicated, right? So if you guys, um, have you ever studied Old English or you've read, maybe you, when you're back in, your, in school, you maybe were reading um, Shakespeare, for example, or maybe not even that, but if you go back to the 80s and you watch a newscast from the 80s or the 70s especially, I re you really noticed in the 70s, when you see people, the way they express themselves, they use long sentences, they use long, complicated words, they, you know, they take a while through, and, and most of it is just essentially how they how they speak, but incredibly beautiful vocabulary and blah, 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 blah. So here's a simple fact. As languages evolve, those big, long, elegant words go away. Those big, long, wordy sentences go away. Things become simpler. So when you look at the history of English, for example, and you just go back, like I said, 40 years, and you just it does not matter if it was English as in England or English as in the United States or Australia, you know, wherever. You bring it back to 40 years ago, you look to see how 
just people would express themselves versus now. Now they use shorter phrases, shorter words. It's not because technology, I'm sure it's been, you know, speedily around. <laughs> Look at me. I'm struggling over words as I'm talking about words. Isn't that funny? I'm sure the, uh, you know, essentially the brevity in language has been amplified by the fact that, um, you know, technology has made it so that we have to communicate quicker, right? I'm sure that's true, but this happens anyway in every language. So, when you come across, when you're trying to self-discover an answer to a question, chances are the best answer, the most practical answer, the truest answer is the first answer that comes to your mind with the least amount of trailing thoughts. That almost always is going to be the correct answer. And when you see people trying to explain themselves in big, complicated, you know, multi-page PDF, you know, whatever, you know, presentations and talking about complicated ways to lead generate and all this stuff. Those systems almost never work because they're too complicated. There's too many threat vectors, as Elon Musk says, that causes too many places where you're essentially going to be stuck with this long-winded effort to try to generate leads, whereas the reality of it is that you could have just picked up the phone and generated a lead, and you didn't have to create some big complicated funnel that's predicated on buying leads, for example. So when you're trying to cut through your own malarkey and your own Mickey Mouse, Think to yourself, don't overanalyze. Okay, I'm hearing what Tim is saying. He is saying following morning schedule. Duh, I know that. Everyone's always said that. Well, why the hell aren't you doing it, right? It's almost a new year. Maybe it's a good time to start. Don't start in the new year. Start now. Start working on it now as business sort of winds down around the holidays. It's a great time to actually don't gain weight. Don't start drinking more. Actually go the opposite direction. Give your future self reason to celebrate your modern current self, right? January 1st version of you, I want you to be looking back towards, you know, December 1st version of you and saying, you know what, December 1st version of you, you are a rock star because you didn't, you know, you started this path, this journey for us to, you know, basically get our act together a month early. You gave me a month advantage on the new year, right? That's the way to think about it. Make it so your your current version of yourself is, or your future version of yourself is thanking the you know, current version of yourself. And if, by the way, you don't like your overall predicament now, okay, if you're not liking your situation now, you have nothing to blame but the past version of yourself. That's the person that made the decisions that resulted in what you're experiencing now. It's kind of funny to think about it that way. I mean, Julie and I always used to say we still do. Thanks, past Tim and Julie, when we experience something that's nice. Because it was past him and joy that created that modern reality. You know, it was past him and joy that had that uh, you know reality manifest. It wasn't present Tim and Julie. Present Tim and Julie are just getting the benefit from it. Um, and you have to stay continually uh, in the continue mode of creating uh, and working and sticking to your morning schedule and doing these things. And this is the discipline. This is the life. This is how you do it. This is how you make it so that you become the person that you can be. And don't be believing that you're too old, you're too young, you're not smart enough, you're too smart, you're not good looking enough, you're too good looking. Stop saying all that crap to yourself. Succeeding in life in general is complicated when you choose for it to be complicated. Remember the analogy I was just giving you with languages, right? So it's choose the simplest clearest path forward and stop allowing your egotistical analytical brain to make your path forward so complicated. And then you're going to start realizing that virtually everything in life can be ran through that same set of filters. The simple answer is almost always the right answer. I can think of very few examples where that's not true. 
So listen, guys, if you need me for anything, text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, I'd love to speak with you guys about having Julie and I be your sponsors for EXP. We are available um, to have that conversation with you. Just text me directly at 512-758-0206. If you're not in the free coaching program, text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. Text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. Thank you, and I'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.